you're being summoned to a world beyond, outside your reality, into the far cosmos, to a world where good and evil are in constant battle, where heroes are born and legends are made. Welcome to Avery World. We take you now to the lecture hall where Avery is waiting to teach about the structure of a screenplay. Hey everybody, I'm Avery Go and welcome to the first episode of Avery Teaches. This is a show that's going to break down the mysteries of the creative process from writing your first draft of a screenplay all the way to the second draft. We're going through everything and even beyond that because the mystery of writing a screenplay all right is something that needs to be debunked just a little bit i've been writing for years i have my degree in playwriting and screenwriting let me tell you something i know you have a great screenwriting idea i know you have a great script idea you went to the movies you have this this idea of a film that's in your head but every time you sit down to write it you go i can see michael p jordan and john david washington playing these parts but i just can't get it on paper or maybe you're able to get through the draft and go like, well, I don't, this is terrible. I don't know. All I do know is this. It's not as hard as you think it is. Completely honest with you. <laughs> and it's it's such a mystery because no one debunks it. I went to school for four years and I still had to go off on my own. I'm not saying the school wasn't a good idea, but still had to go off on my own and learn about it. But first... Let's look at where all screenplays start. Let's look at where all great pieces of writing start. And that's the blank page. This blank page is the most intimidating thing ever invented. It is. And it has been that way for generations. Don't worry. You sit down at this blank white page and go, I don't know how to start. And But it's understanding why it's so intimidating. It's intimidating because I can start typing out the word Babalu for 100 pages. And I could do that on this blank page. I could fill out the word Babalu for a hundred pages and sound like Ricky Ricardo and it will work. It, it has no limitations. It has no rules. You can do whatever you want to it. And that is the most intimidating thing. But that's fine. That's okay because you should know that this same blank white page has been puzzling people for thousands of years. Yeah, that's right. Thousands. We're talking all the way back to Aristotle. 
We're talking back to Socrates. We're talking Shakespeare. We're talking um, Hitchcock. We're talking Lumet. We're talking uh, Oliver Stone. We're talking Barry Jenkins. We're talking Christopher Nolan. We're talking Damien Suzelle. They have all started right here looking at a blank page, whether it was stone, parchment, paper, digital, and the future will be augmented reality, virtual reality. It will all start right here at a blank page. That's where it all starts. So how do we begin with the blank page? Well, it's pretty simple on the screenplay. You just type in the words fade in. Once you type in the words fade in, you're signaling to the reader that the story has started. The screen that was black is now filled with the colors of your vision. And that's it. Literally, it's that simple. You just type in the words fade in and you've started writing your screenplay. Well, then you say, well, Avery, what's next after fade in? That's a little too easy. It's got to be something a little more difficult to writing a screenplay. There is. Next is your scene heading or slug line, which you simply start by typing in the, the letters INT or EXT. INT for interior, EXT for exterior. If you're inside a place, inside a building, someplace where you're not out in the wilderness, you're not outside, you're inside, you're interior. If you're outside at any point, whether you're in a forest, you're in a mud puddle, you're, <laughs> you're standing by a car, it'll be exterior. Then after you do that, you type in your location, let's say farmhouse, and then the time of day, all separated by dashes. That's it. You can have a little fun with the time of day. You can do morning, afternoon, midnight, whatever, but you have fun with it. And these two lines are the precipice of greatness. That's it. That's all you need to start writing your screenplay. It's not that difficult, is it? Well, guess what? It doesn't get any harder. That's it. All you have to know is you keep your action paragraphs short. Well, what are action paragraphs? It's what the characters do. It's what the audience sees. So if you're coming from the idea of this is more of a prose type work where you have to describe everything and the clothing and the the wrinkles on the man's face stop there in a screenplay we don't want to see all that because we're going to hire we as in the studio will hire a magnitude of people that will come in and see page carter 30s muscular man and that's all they need to see because all they're going to do is then they're going to create the costumes cast the character they're going to the character is going to work the actor is going to work out and everything will be fine so don't even stress yourself about what we see too much about little details that you can't necessarily control as a screenplay writer just simply write page carter 30s muscular man walks down the street don't tell us what he's thinking just describe what he sees that's it it's that simple. It's that easy. And par action paragraphs should be no more than four lines. That's it. Four lines. And after the action paragraphs comes the character name. That's it. You, if you're using Final Draft, it does it for you. If you're using Word, look. I recommend buying the Screenwriter's Bible because it actually shows you what margins to use in Microsoft Word. And you can set those margins automatically in Word. And then you can go ahead, type in the character's name. And then type in the dialogue. Now, I know you want to get crazy with the parentheses. Everybody loves using parentheses. Parentheses are used in character dialogue to describe how the character is going to say something. 95.999% of the time, the actor is going to cross that out. So use it when it's necessary for the reader to understand. But if your scene is 
flushed out enough, the reader won't need uh, parentheses and to know how the character's saying something to understand what the characters or how they're going to say it. And that's simple. Now, there are other terminology you should know. Like if you want to do a flashback, we go back up to that scene heading and we just write begin flashback. And at the end of the scene, write end flashback. If you want to do a montage, you write begin montage. In montage. Now, there are different ways that people like to do montages. But what a montage is, is just a series of shots. You can even type in series of shots. You don't have to type in montage. And you just describe the character uh, at a park eating cotton candy. Next bullet point. At a movie theater watching a movie. Simple. Breaks it all down. And using these certain terminologies, you start writing your screenplay. Now let's talk camera directions. You want to be as minimalistic as possible. If you're writing for a director, you know you're going to get the movie made. That's a little different. If you're going to make it yourself, it's a little different. Writing a screenplay for you is even better because you don't have to worry about all the other hoop, hoop, hoopla. But keep it simple. Pan across, tilt up, tilt down, push in, pull back. It's all you need to know in terms of how to move the camera in a screenplay. Only use it when you're supposed to. Great action will, you know, will basically show the reader where it's supposed to be looking. So that's it. That's the fundamentals of a screenplay. On the next episode, we'll break down the structure of a screenplay from Act 1 to Act 2 to Act 3. Till next week, I'm Avery Goodwin, and remember, keep believing, keep dreaming, keep writing. We take you now to a laboratory on top of Hilarious Hill, overlooking the town of Stupendous where Dr. Michael Laborious and his assistant Iago are once again conducting experiments to solve life's greatest unknown mysteries. Hello and welcome to my laboratory here on top of Hilarity Hill overlooking the beautiful town of Stupendous. Here, you will find my most unique and transcendent inventions, along with my newest invention, the podcast. It is what has brought you into my laboratory. Well, not actually into my laboratory. I guess it's more of a superficial tense. Uh, not superficial in the sense that you are superficial, but in the way that makes the word superficial because it's one meaning one thing other than what I am really trying to say. I digress. Here, you will see my most amazing inventions and discoveries as I try to pass out the world's greatest mysteries. Well, I guess not see per se, but you know, listen to them, hear them, get a sort of audible catharsis. Now, let me introduce you to my amazing cast of characters that make up my team. First, we have Grandy. She's a grand piano that I have modified with a sort of conscience. She can hear and understand everything you're saying and communicate through her own language, which I call music. Aha! And here we have my most trusted assistant, Iago! Iago, come and take a peek at my newest invention, the podcast. I'm not so sure you've invented the podcast, sir. Don't be ridiculous, Iago. This is not an ordinary podcast with its boring concepts and one-dimensional story structure. This is a Dr. Laborious podcast, filled with excitement and panache, which makes it new, which means that I am its inventor. I guess I can't argue with that? That is correct. You see, me and Iago have known each other for many years, ever since she was my grad student. How many years has it been since you first walked into my classroom bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? Three, sir. And you're making me sound like a, a rabbit. Ah, but you are a rabbit, Iago, gnawing at the carrot of my knowledge. I'm pretty sure you could be cancelled for saying that these days. But, Dr. 
feel laborious. Why did you make me drag your shrink ray all the way over here? I thought you weren't using it after the incident. Oh yes, those poor lions. How long did they get their mane to grow all the way back, did they? No, no they did not. But, not to fear, for I have made modifications to this regular shrink ray and have given us the option to make things grow. So, it's a shrink ray that can make things bigger. Precisely! And why do we have to make things bigger? We don't have to do anything. Life just isn't about doing what we have to do. It's about exploring what we can do and pushing the boundaries into the unknown. Right, but I don't think it's very safe messing around with the natural size of things. Iago? Who is the award-winning scientist here? You. And who has his projects fully funded by grants from the most prestigious institutions on the planet? You, sir. And who is going to increase the size of this butterfly for the sake of science? You, sir. Wait, what? I am going to test the theory of the butterfly effect. They say if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon, it could create a tidal wave effect leading to an immense wind change in Chicago. Don't really know how that stacks up logically. The theory, of course, is too small to test with a normal sized butterfly. I would be trying to track the smallest gust of winds around the world. Just no. But a giant butterfly. Now that's a wind gust I can easily follow. Yes, but no time for buts, Iago. I have an experiment to perform. I understand that, but hear me out. I will place the butterfly here, such. There we go. Perfect. Don't move. I'm not Great. so sure that this is a wise idea. Now I power up the modified shrink ray. Given the size of the lab, the no time to think about consequences, Iago. Now is the time for science. Well. A little time. It has to power up, you know. It's not battery powered. Sir, if you just stop for a Now second. is the time for science! Sir, please! I urge you to consider the consequences of taking something this small and making it super big. If man was meant to meddle, he would have been given greater power. And if he was going to meddle, he must do it wisely. I know the saying, Iago. I coined it, you know. I just don't think this is such a wise move. Just think it over. Okay, I thought about it. Iago? Yes, Doctor? I think you were right about the whole metal thing. We mustn't mess with the natural order of things so recklessly, and we must be careful to maintain the natural balance of the ecosystem before it becomes uninhabitable. That's a very wise lesson, sir. Thank you. Now call animal control. Tell them there's a butterfly on the loose. They're going to need a big net. Oh! We take you now to the USA, where the Truth Seeker has begun another broadcast to expose the corruption that has plagued their world for generations. Mysterious circumstances. 
that led to an unsolved mystery that to this day puzzles millions. They never even disclosed any details about his murder. His funeral, the funeral of the most powerful man of his time, was a closed casket. Rumor is there was no body even in it. What happened to him? I The Great War was fought over a span of four years. In which time the Alpha Squad rose to the forefront, defeating the cold arm in one fast swoop. So why four years? Why keep fighting? But there was too much money for me. The Alpha Squad had become a billion dollar industry. Greedy men like Harold Stinson and Jonathan Young could not resist. They wanted to keep the money train flowing, but you cannot do that. If there are no villains to fight, what did they do? They created it. Harold Stinson's so powerful weapon, infused with the black plasma to some of the craziest and most diluted and perverted scientists, military men, disgraced politicians in the cold army, and they themselves became supervillains. The world's first supervillains. Only a match for the greatest superhero team that ever lived the Alpha Squad. But this is where this story takes a turn. See, this is what you weren't expecting. The Alpha Squad was never expected to defeat these villains. Why would Harold Stinson and the USA risk their golden boy and his team? Fighting a bunch of madmen that they are. So they invented another team. A team they never told about. A team with no sense. With no powerful weapons. These were the guts, 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 guts. These were the forgotten. These were the commanders. Icky Rogers. Jared Snipe. Rocco Madden. And Xavier Rowan. They were showing up. All of you for the Alpha Squad. I didn't even knew there was a mission. And they were clearing the way. All the henchmen. Everyone but the main supervillain. Dead before they even arrived. The Theodore Shaw never asked himself the question, why? Cleopatra Armstrong did. She was wondering what was going on. Was it a disease killing these people? But something tells me Theodore Shaw knew the whole thing. Him and Icky Rogers were friends since they first joined the military 15 years before this point. They were friends. Drinking bodies. How did Theodore know? Was he ignorant? Or did he turn a blind eye? Or as he was living in a condominium on top of Empire City, the commandos were trapped at a military base used as a laboratory. 
Plasma defense, everyone down, everyone down. Plasma defense. Plasma defense, coming in, no one move. Shoot. It's empty. Damn it, Bobby, I thought you tracked the frequency. I did track the frequency. This is where it led us. Search the place. Maybe there's a clue. Oh, well, this place lacks some charm. It does have a nice view of the city. Oh, wait, Cleo, I got something. What is it? It's a wall. Yeah, I know it's a wall, but listen. There's a beeping coming from behind it. Yeah, it's gotta be a nudge or a knock or something. Get us in here. Let me see if I can just... <clears throat> Step back. Or just a push. That works too. Well, talk about a surveillance system. Jesus. Yeah, but he's not watching anything. He's, he's listening. You think he can uh, poke around, see if you can find something? I can see if I can hack into the frequency. Let me see if I can pinpoint his location doing that. Guy gets on the air and airs dirty secrets. How do you think he found out about this stuff? He has to have help on the inside. Political connections, maybe. Whatever it is, if we don't stop him soon, who knows what else he'll tell. The public only needs to know so much. Well, that wouldn't sound so political, Bobby. Just saying. Alright, I got it. Uh... Looks like we got three locations, all airing on the same frequency. Three separate locations from this one. Yeah, he's gotta be at either one of the three. Alright, well I'm not suggesting we split up. We wait from the air again and we hit the next spot. Your time in our world has ended. As you return to reality, remember that your world is what you believe it can be. Your imagination is as limitless as your dreams. So never stop dreaming, for a dream is where your imagination can run wild.